You're listening to the Tigers Den Podcast. New episodes dropping every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Central Time, available to stream across all platforms. Also, be sure to check out Play Callers. New episodes dropping every Tuesday at 3.30 p.m. Central Time, available to stream across all platforms. Hello and welcome to the Tigers Den Episode 11. It's so amazing that all three of us can go to separate parts of the state and country and still be able to record this episode for y'all. We've all had an amazing weekend, and hope you as listeners have as well. Let's get right into the weekend rundown with your boy, Reese Kinder. Take him away. This is the weekend rundown. How's it going? I uh, hope y'all had a good weekend. You know, we had some big games this weekend, uh, some upsets with some smaller teams, some injuries, mm-hmm. um, notable injuries. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get straight into it. Georgia and Tennessee in Knoxville. You know, Tennessee opens the game with a touchdown. You know, uh, I was at the Auburn game, and all the Auburn fans were cheering for Tennessee after they scored that touchdown. But, you know, Georgia just ran them over. And, you know, yeah. last week, my mistake, I, I said Carson Beck was overrated. Sorry, Carson. Uh, I'm, there you go. I uh, made a big mistake there. You're not overrated. Uh, your team definitely deserves to be number one after that win. And, uh, you know, 38-10, to 10, big win for the Bulldogs. Uh, and then Washington escapes again against Oregon Jeez. State. I watched Other... the entire game. I was rooting for Oregon State so much. Hate Washington, bro. bro. I know. It's like if, if DJ Uyagalale could throw a slant, I mean, they would have had a chance. Uyagalale. But... Sorry. Yeah. Put it in yeah. Google Translate real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uyungle. No. Um, that was a big game this weekend as well. And then Missouri and Florida uh, came came down to the wire. But, you know, Florida continues to lose. Um, I don't know if they'll win next week against Florida State. We'll see. Jordan Travis is definitely not playing. Um, yeah. Bro. <laughs> anybody saw that injury? If anybody saw that injury, that was, uh, that was gruesome. Yeah. But um, another game that was it, – it was a notable game on the schedule uh, on the slate for Saturday was Louisville and Miami, which what turned out to be a close game. And um, – now we do have the ACC championship game set. It's Louisville and Florida State. Um, should be a good ACC championship game. Depends on who's quarterbacking Florida State. But Dude, um, Reed, you know, who do you think is going to quarterback Florida State? <laughs> who do you think going to be the quarterback of Florida State? Not going to be Jordan Travis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's the here's the tough part. Louisville Bro can't walk, and Reese is like, he still has a chance to come back. Well, no. The only reason I'm saying that is because there's the Ole Miss quarterback. Um, a few years ago, and the Egg Bowl did the same thing, and then he came back like three weeks later and played in their bowl game. Here's the thing. I Reese isn't entirely wrong because I talked to my dad about it, and my dad said he saw it a couple of times when he played football. It looked like he, he just dislocated it. It didn't look like it actually broke or anything. They haven't officially said what it was, but it looks like it was just dislocated. Still still bad, you know. Yeah, well, I don't no. think he'll return by the ACC championship in two weeks. But No, that's yeah. the thing, like I was saying, because the Egg Bowl uh, a few years ago, like in 2018. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that dude, he like he did the I same thing. I think it was like Jordan Tamu or whatever his name was. Yeah, he ended up doing the same thing, and then he came back three weeks later and played in the bowl game for them. Here's the thing about Louisville, though. Louisville is going to – I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. Louisville is going to beat Kentucky, uh, barely, and then they're going to barely beat Florida State because they don't have Jordan Travis in. And then Louisville is going to make the college football playoff and then get TCU'd. I'm, I'm telling Dude, you that. they're not going to make the college football playoff if they win. No way. No way. 
No if way. they win out, they have to make the college football playoff. But no. Think, no way they don't. Yeah, but they're still... So Washington. you're saying Louisville makes it over Oregon, Washington, Texas, Alabama, uh... Georgia, okay, Michigan, okay, okay, Ohio okay. State, and Georgia. Okay, Georgia, Georgia wins out. They make it. Um, well, I wish we actually we we should just talk about CFP, you know, predictions. But we'll talk about that next week after the last week of football. But yeah. Georgia makes it after winning out. Ohio State or Michigan makes it after winning out. Uh, Oregon makes it after winning the Pac-12 championship. If Texas gets upset, which could definitely happen. I mean, Texas Tech isn't a bad team. They're no pushover. But yeah. is, Quinn, is Quinn Ewers supposed to come back like anytime soon? I have no idea. I can look it up right now, but, I but that's Quinn all Ewers I'm played. What? Oh, never mind. No, no yeah, he, didn't, he didn't Murphy, play. He didn't play. But um, I don't see anything right now. No, he did play. Oh, well, yeah, he, he did play. Texas just sucks. So, but but they could lose to like Kansas State, State like in the Big Ten, twelve championship. You know. <laughs> Like, and something like that could happen where they got to take Louisville because they're a one-loss champ. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, but, but then move, moving forward, um, Utah and Arizona I thought was going to be a good game, but Arizona just ran over Utah. Hey, how about Arizona? I mean, they how many games in a row that they won? Uh, I think it's, is it five? Might be five or six. Yeah, they have, like, the most ranked wins, like, in their program history. I saw something like that. There's a possibility if they can get the win next week against Arizona State in the rivalry game that they'll end the season at nine and three and uh, possibly make a good bowl. They're going to be Arizona State, Reese. Just yeah, trust. <laughs> it's it's a rivalry, yeah. buddy. You if or- <laughs> if Oregon State upsets Oregon too, buddy, Alabama uh, Auburn's a rivalry and Alabama's going to win by fifty. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> can't wait to see that one. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, might Auburn just sell my ticket. <laughs> might sell my ticket. You know, and just like not go. Because yeah. I kind of kind of don't like Auburn at the moment. Um. Anyway, moving forward from uh, that trash team. Um. Anyway, Clemson and North Carolina was a good game. You know, another storm the field. Let's uh, let's do that. Let's do that every season. You know, yeah. like Taylor said, they do it every game. They did it against some nobody school. And then um, Kansas State and Kansas. We talked about that game last week, and it turned out to be a good game. Kansas um, State winning again. Yeah, that's another another win and a second huddle, straight team, loss. For my Kansas. team huddles have never been wrong. My team <laughs> huddles have never been wrong this year, just so y'all know. <laughs> yeah, Kansas State should win out and then possibly upset Texas in the uh, Big 12 yeah. championship. Well, I'm looking at it right now. They still need some stuff to happen to make it because they are they did lose to Oklahoma State. So if Oklahoma State wins wins out, they're behind Oklahoma State. <laughs> so, um, but. It's a lot of stuff. I'm looking at it right now because there's a three-way tie between them, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Kansas State didn't actually play Oklahoma. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, they obviously beat them head-to-head. But, I mean, who knows? We'll see you next week. And then next episode, we'll obviously go in-depth into who we think is going to win conference championships and college football playoff. So. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this weekend we're starting with some of the some of the tournaments, um, little conference – or, like, there's a little uh, – Bracket tournaments with, uh, you know, Auburn playing in New York. Um, Tuesday, we had the State Farm Classic, which turned mm. out to be some good really, games. Like, you know, really Duke, and, Duke and Michigan State was very close. And uh, Hunter Dickinson in uh, Kansas won uh, against Kentucky. That game was actually uh, – I, I watched a few minutes of that game, and uh, that game was actually a pretty good game. Kentucky was up with about 14 minutes to go. 
and Hunter Dickinson just turned it on and ended up having 27 points and 21 rebounds. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Insane numbers there. Those are those are NBA numbers. Maybe those those are like he could be a uh, one of the highest picks in the draft. Maybe the number one pick next year. Awesome. We'll see. And then Marquette and Illinois played on Tuesday as well. Um, that game was that game was good down to the wire as well. Yeah. It was, a, it was uh seventy one to sixty four. Marquette, uh, I don't know. They might make They're it good. as far. Yeah, they might make it as far as they did last year in the tournament or farther. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, mean, I have them. We'll we'll discuss more about you know a lot of college basketball teams, specifically Marquette later. At least in my in my rankings. So. Yeah. Hey, bro, bro. <laughs> shut up, bro. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, and then we had an upset this weekend on Friday um, with Arkansas and UNC Greensboro. I wanted to highlight that game because Arkansas, you know, we 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 heard about Arkansas being so good this year, and they did the same thing last year. So mid. Lost to Hofstra in the first game of the season. Or not, Bro, not no first way. Game. It was like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was the first game of the season, actually, last in year. In college basketball, yeah. Yeah. Arkansas swears they're good in every sport, and then they're absolutely mid. It's hilarious. But we did see it last year, too. Remember, Arkansas lost to Hofstruff and ended up coming back and winning and making yeah, How far did they make it? I think it was – it had to have been Sweet 16. Wait, I, lo- I, th- I thought they lost to UNC Greensboro. Yeah, this year. Last they year lost they lost this year, but last year was Hofstruff. Yeah, oh, so it's oh. similar. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, it was, it was about the – about the same tier loss, except Hofstruff last year was a little better, I think, than UNC Greensboro will be. Mid. But, Arkansas's mid. Yep, just that's the, that's the whole point. Arkansas's mid. And then freaking and college then, game day went to James Madison, and then James Madison lost. That's, that's <laughs> so sad. Like, yeah, <laughs> No, it's funny how they were That was the biggest waste of a show ever. It, exactly. No, it's funny how they were blaming the NCAA, and now the NCAA is like, probably laughing their ass off they're like yeah they're like no you what's more hilarious is the game came down to like a bang bang call and it it was obviously that it was a touchdown but like james madison fans were whining oh the ncaa is against us you know that was a fumble you know and so yeah ncaa sitting back yeah got uh they're, they're probably laughing now because uh that was the funniest thing i've ever seen and like taylor said that was a waste of a show i mean I'm glad 26,000 people showed up, but for nothing. Like, yeah. mm. it was pointless. And then, you know, last week we also highlighted – I'm going to get to NFL now and then uh, turn it over to uh, Max yes. or Taylor. Yeah, Max Wisdom. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, some, of the, some of the good games today on the uh, 12 p.m. slate was uh, Steelers and Browns was supposed to be good because both teams were 6-3, and three, and um, the Browns ended up coming out on top. Which was kind of surprising to me because without Deshaun Watson, I didn't really see them getting another win. Can we be um, honest? Kenny Pickett might be the worst quarterback in the NFL. George Pickens is right. Kenny Kenny Pickett is so, so, so bad. 15 for 28, 106 yards. Are you kidding? Yeah. Are you kidding? No. Worse than Zach Wilson today. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, Zach Wilson got benched. That's that what I'm crazy. saying. Zach Wilson got benched. Kenny Pickett doesn't get benched because they literally don't have another quarterback. They have no. Mason Rudolph as their backup. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah, dude, we remember what happened. Did the Jets have Mike White or someone? We no, Mike White's with the Dolphins. The Jets who did the Jets have? I don't know. Joe don't Flacco. Know. <laughs> no, he's a free agent. 
No, he's not anymore. The Browns picked him up off the practice squad. Oh, he's still his <laughs> It's so bad. How... It's so bad. <laughs> Tim Boyle. Tim, you want to hear who the Jets' backup is? Tim Boyle. Bro, who is that? <laughs> a 29-year-old out of Eastern Kentucky. It's fifth... He's equivalent to a milk carton. <laughs> it's his fifth season. So... Hey, at least oh, he gets no paid. <laughs> Today, he had, he had a QBR of 50.2 because he had th- 33 pass yards, no t- TDs, and a 50% completion percentage. Bro, and then TJ Stroud is a fraud. <laughs> Joe Flacco is hey. about to be the, the first quarterback that's like 47 to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> going to Super Bowl. <laughs> no, um, and then uh, really today the only other good game was, I mean, Seahawks and Rams came down to the wire. Um, the Seahawks ended up missing the game-winning field goal. Jason Myers missed it, and um, puts the Seahawks at six and four, possibly out of playoff contention um, right now because all these teams, all these other teams are winning, um, and especially. You know, this week, I haven't really seen a good NFL slate yet, and I'm excited for Monday's game. But, you know, the Thanksgiving games are always good, so I can't wait to see those games on Thursday. But, you know, Max, you can take it away now. Who is this week's MMVP? All right, so now I'm going to get to my MMVP, and I know Taylor's. Zion Williamson! Taylor, you're actually going to love this one. (laughs) Uh, it's the guy that Taylor went across the country to go see. The number yes, senior quarterback yes, for the number six Oregon Ducks. Dur Sanders. Bo, Bo Nix is today's MVP. And the reason why is because, I mean, he's num- he's top five in every single quarterback statistic, which is insane. He has, to, for, to break it down for y'all, 3,539 passing yards this year, which is third among all QBs who have played 11 games or fewer. Um, And then he has 35 passing touchdowns, which is second in the country behind Jaden Daniels. And he also only has two interceptions, which is fewest among all QBs with at least 325 passing attempts. He also has an average QBR of 89.8, which is third in the country. He also has an average passer rating of 191.3, which is second in the country. He has only been sacked five times, which is tied for the fewest among QBs with at least 230 pass attempts. He also has a 78.1% completion percentage, first in the country. He has 9.8, excuse me, 9.8 yards per completion, second among all QBs with at least 200 completions and he's the obvious front runner for the Heisman race I mean you look at what he did this weekend against Arizona State he had a QBR of 268.1 he had a completion percentage of 82.8 he had four pass yards and he had six passing touchdowns all in the first half all in the first half so Bo Nix like I said you know, as much as I hate to admit it, because I know Taylor is just, you know, jumping for joy right now. He's the obvious front runner for the Heisman race. And if you told me that the QB for Auburn two years ago would be doing this, I would have called you crazy. But obviously, he has proven me very wrong. What do y'all think about Bo's electric campaign so far this season? Hey, hey, let me take this one. Let me take this one. Yep, so, I, I I felt it was coming. So you yep. know, uh, I didn't actually go to Phoenix, Arizona, for Bo Nix. 
Um, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually thinking about going to Arizona State for college. I'm probably going to go there. I, I'm probably going to submit my enrollment deposit soon. But, you know, they were playing the Ducks. I'm, I'm a Ducks fan. Uh, I have I have been for a while now, but Bo going there. Um, I'm friends with his sister, uh, acquaintances with his family and everything, you know, living pretty close to us. Uh, Bo, great guy, super nice, you know, super down to earth. Uh, I was at the game, just saying at the game, it was like all Oregon fans. And I went down to the first row. There were kids everywhere, like asking for autographs. Bo signed all of them. You know, he high fives everyone. He gets pictures with everyone. Super down to earth guy. And he deserves everything that's coming to him. Like the stats that Max said, the Heisman, everything. I mean, just an overall great guy, and he deserves really everything. Yeah, I think I think Bo, uh, you know, when he was here, I think um, the problem was the coaching at Auburn uh, was kind of not the best at the time. And I think Dan Lanning's done a really good job with, with uh, Bo Nix. Possibly, I know a lot of the people, and especially the draft combine people, don't see him as a top quarterback, but... Definitely have to look out for him uh, as this season's coming to an end. And there's a possibility if they make it in the college football playoff, you could see a. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying they could win the national championship, but they could make it uh, to the national championship game. We, we could see. I'm just gonna say this about Oregon fans too, bro. They are like they are die hard. Like if you look up directions from Austin Stadium in Eugene, Oregon, to Tempe, Arizona, where the game was, it is like. 14 hours and the whole stadium was just Oregon fans. That's yeah. all the Oregon <laughs> fans deserve everything, you know, losing the national championship in 2010, getting heartbreaking losses every single year, you know, coming super close, coming in highly ranked and then making a, a new year six bowl or just a regular bowl game like last year. I mean, they deserve to make the college football playoff. Yeah. I mean, and all I'm going to say to end this segment off is, you know, Bo Nix is, He's proven it, you know, this season, and he's going to get another chance to prove it next week when they face Oregon State. And then he'll obviously get the chance two weeks from now, if they win that game against Oregon State, to face, to rematch against Washington and hopefully punch their ticket to the college football playoff. But shout out Bo Nix. All Auburn fans deserve to give him his flowers and give him a huge apology because, apology because I mean, honestly, it was the toxic Auburn fans that really ran him out of Auburn. I mean, yeah. I truly don't believe that he would have left if it weren't for the fans. And he said it, actually, I remember. And at Oregon, he said he just feels so much more free, so much pressure uh, led off of him. And shout out, you know, Dan Lanning. I mean, Dan Lanning is, you know, great head coach, and he's a guy who's helped uh, him through his journey at Oregon. And so, I mean, shout out Bo Nix. Dan Lanning is a great guy as well. What'd you say? Dan Lanning is also a great guy. He was also one of those people that came over to all the kids, you know. got I got a video of him coming over to the Oregon fans, thanking them and everything for traveling. I mean, really, every, I'm, an, I'm a little biased because I'm an Oregon fan. But really, everyone on Oregon, I really enjoyed watching y'all play. Y'all were super nice to me. You know, being from Auburn, Alabama, it's it's kind of rare to, you know, meet players and everything because cause if you think about it, Auburn goes into their locker room through the student section. Yeah. So all the students really get the interactions and stuff. But here, we were right by where Oregon ran out. So they were just super nice to me. I'm, I'm going to stop talking now. I can go on and on, but... <laughs> Yeah, it does. <laughs> nah, it's not a problem. I mean, yeah, I know you're passionate about, you know, Oregon and Bo Nix, and I'm just 
going to say I'm sorry, Bo, for all the times I've doubted you throughout the years. I might have made a couple of comments on social media when you played at Auburn. But now you are proving me wrong, and we'll see what you can do in the college football playoff coming up after you beat, you whoop Oregon State, and then you beat Washington in two weeks. But now I'm going to hand it over to Taylor for the opposite of the segment we just did, Taylor's Trash Can. Taylor, take it away. Straight from the garbage disposal, this is Taylor's Trash Can. So, speaking about Bo Nix, you know, he's on the Ducks of Oregon right now. Mighty Oregon, you know, all the great fans, all the great people. Tez Johnson, Troy Franklin, two receivers, Bucky Irving. Uh, but the team that he left, right down Glen Avenue, hosted yeah. a 25.5-point underdog team from New Mexico. New Mexico... You know, I flew over it on my flight to Phoenix, uh, New Mexico. There's absolutely nothing to do but desert. And they're not really known for anything, but especially not college football. You know, they got the New Mexico Lobos, New Mexico State Aggies. But this Aggie team has lost 27 straight meetings against SEC teams, and they've never gotten a win against one. Two years ago, Auburn University reached out to New Mexico State and paid this team... (laughs) $1.7 $1.7 million Jeez. to play at Jordan-Hare Stadium to try to publicize them, to try to be nice, you know? Like, get New Mexico State the publicity they need to keep moving up in the ranks. But this Aggie team took that money, and they still won the dang game. I just want to say Hugh Freeze is one of the worst coaches we have ever seen in SEC history for this loss. Not only did New Mexico State win the game, They had 404 total yards and 23 first downs against our defense. This is the same Auburn defense that absolutely dominated K.J. Jefferson in the overly rated preseason Arkansas offense that everyone was talking really good about and almost beat the Georgia Bulldogs, the number one team. This Auburn team has no talent except for Eugene Asante and Jalen Simpson on the defensive side and will plummet against Alabama go to some trash bowl game, and probably lose that. (laughs) If you can only get 12 first downs and 21 minutes of possession time, that means your offense is absolutely terrible. But we can talk all bad about Auburn, but shout out Diego Pavia, who Mm. dominated for the Aggies with three touchdowns as a two-star recruit from a junior college. And what's worse is Hugh Freeze did the same thing last year at Liberty and lost to New Mexico State as a heavy favorite. Mm -hmm. Fire Hugh Freeze, get rid of everything in Auburn, just completely restart. I could go on and on and on about how terrible this loss is for the entire University of Auburn, the entire football program, all the recruits in the crowd, including Cam Coleman from Central. Exactly. What are y'all's thoughts about this, and what is Auburn... What what do they have to do to get ready for Alabama? So... As an Auburn fan, you got to, you know, speak on your Oregon stuff, and Oregon's doing great. I'm the polar opposite. I'm an Auburn fan, and my team is doing terrible right now, and it's because of Hugh Freeze. So that statistic that you brought up, I'm glad that you brought up that statistic, but not only did he do this last year, but that was the last time it was done by any team. The last time a 21-point underdog won by 21 points was last year when New Mexico State – came and played Liberty, and they beat them by 21 points. So 
This is nothing new for Hugh Freeze. And I thought it was a sign when Liberty finished, I think it was like 8-5 and five last year under Hugh Freeze. They're 11-0 and 0 right now. They're 11-0. and 0. They're the only group of five team that's undefeated after, you know, the whole James Madison, you know, banana. Let's go make a bowl game. But, uh, I mean, like, you know, Hugh Freeze, I, I thought the hire was okay. But, I mean, obviously he has a troubled pass. And I honestly wouldn't mind if, you know, he went ahead and called up the you-know-whats if you know the story and just got kicked out of Auburn right now. Because if any of y'all saw my story, follow me on Instagram. I posted fire Hugh Freeze and hashtag bring back Carson. I'm I'm not going to lie. I was being a little bit, you know, I was a little emotional at the time I posted it. I think Brian Harson's terrible coach as well. But I think that this loss was just horrible. I mean, it encapsulates all the fears of Auburn for these last couple of years. And you highlighted some stats, Taylor. I want to highlight some more stats. This is an Auburn team, and I sent you all this text as well. They say that, oh, well, Peyton Thorne's not great, but we have a good rushing attack. Auburn had 65 rushing yards the entire game. Average 2.5 yards a carry. This New Mexico State team ran for 213 yards. 5.8 5.8 yards a carry, more yards than they passed for, which they also passed for 201. I mean, this was pathetic. And you think about, oh, because I was I was in, you know, Taylor, you were in Arizona. You weren't watching the game. I was in uh, hey, Mobile. I, I was checking it on my phone, and I turned. I, I, I want to tell this story real quick. I was sitting, you know, in the Oregon section and everything. I was my phone. I turned around. I said, this is why I live in Auburn, but I – don't cheer for Auburn in football because it is absolutely pathetic. Yes. I mean, you you think about – but you would think my, – my thought in my mind when I first saw the score was, okay, maybe we've done some turnovers. Maybe we're doing terrible on the penalty side of things, you know, and that's causing us to lose the game, whatever. No, you look at this – because the main two things that you always say when there's a big upset brewing, you say the two keys are going into the game is you need to win the turnover battle and you need to win the penalty battle. Turnovers. Neither team had one. So tied in the turnover battle. Also, penalties, exact same. Nine penalties for both teams for 75 yards. So they just came up. They just straight up came in. And I'm going to shout out, you know, Crane & Co. They're one of the sports podcasts I listen to as well. I mean, they just came in and they were the better team. They doubled us in time of possession. I mean, this New Mexico State team, yes, they're 9-3, and three, but they lost to UMass, man. Auburn beat UMass 63-14 to 14 at the start of the year. Mm. So what does that mean? Have we gotten worse? Have we gotten worse? Did... No, and I don't want to take this as an excuse. Oh, they were looking ahead to Bama. Yeah, of course they were. They were playing a team that they paid $1.8 million to come in and play. But, you know, that's no excuse to lose to a New Mexico State team that has been – it's not even like they have a great defense. I mean, they they allow, they held us to 10 points. I mean, they allowed a Western Illinois team, a Division II school, to score 21 on them. So, I mean – if you're an Auburn fan right now and, you know, you're, you've been thinking about jumping ship, now's the time. Now's the time. I mean, this, this Auburn team is pathetic. Uh, wake me up when Hugh Freeze is gone and when we have, you know, possibly Cam Coleman. Probably not after that game, though. Uh, Perry Thompson's probably going to decommit. Bryce Kane had a great interview with you. I wouldn't blame you if you decommitted as well. 
I mean, just as an Auburn fan all my life, I mean, that was just horrible. 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 Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was at the game, and, you know, it it got it, – it was much worse there. Like, the, the section I was sitting in, everybody was booing you freeze. People actually were throwing stuff on the field. Um, yeah, I saw a picture of a guy doing, like, the Jets fan thing where he just – he held up the middle <laughs> finger to the camera, which I don't blame him. I would yeah, too. I mean, this you're you're telling me that our O line cannot move a like a defensive lineman that probably had zero Division One offers before New Mexico State even decided to give him an offer, and this like this is ridiculous. I think our team just came in here and was like, oh yeah, we we can beat these guys. Uh, we don't even need to practice. We don't need to prepare. We'll just uh, beat them fifty to zero. No, that's not the case because New Mexico State has been scoring a lot of points the past few weeks, and you see what happened. We ended up losing to them, and this is ridiculous. We're probably going to get beat 66-0 to in the Iron Bowl, so best rivalry in college football? No. Michigan and Ohio State's ahead of us. Probably Vanderbilt and Tennessee will be ahead of us by the time that happens. So. And, last, and last thing I would like to say, it's not like there was no one there to see this game as well. The capacity of Jordan The capacity Stadium, was full! It was full. It was more it was than full. sold out! The, capa- the capacity of Jordan Air Stadium and is 87,451 fans. to blame it on Auburn fans. He had the audacity to blame Auburn for not cheering and showing up. It was wow. full! There were 88,000 people there. For an eighty-seven and a half thousand capacity stadium, what the heck? The entire city of Auburn. I mean, this is why I went out of town and I went to South Alabama. Let's let's be honest, South Alabama. Yeah, they're a Group of Five school and whatever, but they would probably be Auburn. I'm sorry, but I'm just so upset, and this is also why I'm not applying to Auburn. So sorry, you know. All right. Well, <laughs> enough roasting Auburn. We're gonna move on. <laughs> And we're going to move on Bro, I told to you I would Reese, I told you. or ex- excuse me, we're going to move on to Max with top 10, a little bit different today. Who's first, who's last, and who's in between? This is top 10. Yeah, so we're switching it up. I'm going to do top 10. Reese is going to do prize picks later. And we're going to have three prompts like last week. The first one's going to be top five, actually. And then the last two are going to be top 10. And we're going to start off with our NFL MVP candidates midway through the season, about a little over midway through the season. And I'm going to go ahead and get started. And we're actually going to go from five to one. So, you know, we've been doing starting off with number one and then counting down to five or to ten. We're going to start off with five, so it's kind of a reveal to who, to who our number one is. And I'm going to go ahead and get started with mine. And I'm not going to lie, the QB play this year has not impressed me. Not one bit. I, I mean, I, I think that it's been very Joshua interesting. Joshua Dobbs, you know, number one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. If it was for the last two games, it might be Joshua Dobbs. But number five, I coming in at number five for the NFL MVP candidates midway through the season, a little over midway for me, is TJ Watt for the Steelers, the linebacker for the Steelers slash defensive end. I mean, he has been all over the field this year. 22 solo tackles, 10 and a half sacks, including one today against the Browns. Also two forced fumbles and an interception. I mean, TJ Watt, 
taking you know taking the mantle of his brother as one of the most feared defensive players in the league. Um, and honestly, I mean, JJ even said it during uh, one of the CBS halftime shows I was watching. He said he thinks that TJ will be better by the end of his career than you know JJ was. So I got TJ Watt at number five. I mean, just heck of a player. And then number four, I'm gonna stay on the defensive side of the ball. And it's actually in basically the same position. I mean, these two guys, you can switch them in and out. I saw an article, and I'm looking at it right now, where it says, forget Defensive Player of the Year. Should TJ Watt and my number four MVP candidate, Miles Garrett, be in the MVP conversation? I think he should. Two sacks today against the Browns, 20 solo tackles, (coughs) 11 sacks on the year, four forced fumbles, all recovered as well. Miles Garrett has just been insane. I mean, he was the number one overall pick in 2017 for a reason. I mean, this guy, 6'4", 272 pounds, and he's still only 27. I mean, that's not that's not too up in the years. TJ is 29. So, but Miles, I mean, obviously he's been known in the past kind of as like a dirty player. I mean, there was a joke today where he picked up a Steelers helmet and they said, oh, well, now he's just going to hand it to him this time because, you know, a few years ago, Mason Rudolph got bludgeoned uh, in the side of the head by a helmet uh, swung by Miles Garrett. But dirty player or not, Miles Garrett deserves to be in the MVP conversation this year. And now for my number three spot for MVP, once again, still not a QB because the QBP, QB play, like I said, has not impressed me. I'm going to go to the running back position for Christian McCaffrey out of San Francisco. San Francisco 49ers running back. Um, you know, he has really a lot of people doubting him coming into the season, you know, because of the way he busted basically at Carolina just because of injuries. Um, but this year he has proven that he is that guy. There's a reason that he was this phenomenon coming out of Stanford. I mean, you know, basically a running back slash wide receiver. This year so far he's had 825 rush yards, the most in the NFL, also nine rushing touchdowns. And then receiving in, he has 364 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns, most total touchdowns out of basically any player right now. I mean, I think the only person leading him is the next guy I have. But, I mean, you know, today against Tampa Bay wasn't his greatest performance, 78 yards on the ground, 25 yards receiving, and then a receiving touchdown. But, I mean, Christian McCaffrey can do it all. And also, the San Francisco 49ers are now back in probably the driver's seat in the NFC, or at least close to it. And now, for my number two pick, and I know Taylor's going to like this one. He's going to agree with this one. I got Tyreek Hill out of Miami, the Miami Dolphins wide receiver out of West Alabama College. Um, I mean, he's 29 years old, 5'10", 191 pounds, leads the entire NFL in all-purpose yards, 1,222 yards on just 79 receptions. He's averaging 15 and a half uh, yards per catch, nine touchdowns, nine receiving touchdowns. And you look at today, 10 receptions, for 146 yards and a touchdown against the Raiders. I mean, he's just been so consistent. That's been kind of the question with Tyreek Hill in the past couple of years is, oh, you know, he can go crazy for one game, and then next game he can come back and drop like 30 receiving yards and possibly a touchdown. No, this year he's been back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, and he's on pace to break the receiving yards record set by Calvin Johnson Jr., Megatron, a couple years ago of about like 1,900 receiving yards in the season. I mean – he could easily break that record. So Tyreek Hill at number two. And then number one, 
I had to put a QB because similar to college football, this has kind of been a QB award in recent seasons. And I got to go with the guy that Taylor shouted out a couple weeks ago as he said he was a dark horse at the time. I think he's the front runner right now. Bro. Give me Lamar Jackson, Bro. the Baltimore Ravens quarterback. Dude, Max, you are, you are completely missing right now. You are completely missing right now. Dalen Hurts has eight interceptions on the year and played terrible against the Jets. I don't want to hear it. Lamar Jackson has five interceptions on the year. Uh, one of his lowest Lamar numbers Jackson of his doesn't career. Lamar Jackson does the ball. He has 2,441 passing yards, which is actually seventh in the league right now. And then he also, you obviously know, the rushing game. 535 rush yards, 5.3 yards per carry, five touchdowns on the ground, also 12 touchdowns through the air. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you look at how he played against the Bengals, 264 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, also a rushing touchdown. I mean, Lamar Jackson can do it all. He's my number one. And now give me y'all's top five for NFL. All right, I'm going to let Reese go last this time. Uh, I'm going to go second. Number five, CJ Watt. I agree with Max here. You know, you don't really put defensive players usually on this list. I think TJ Watt is honestly the best defensive player over Miles Garrett, in my opinion. Mm, TJ okay. Watt, 22 solo tackles, 10 and a half sacks, carrying this Steelers team to the record that they've gotten at six and four. I mean, literally carrying because the Steelers offense doesn't do anything. Carrying that defense. Number four, I also agree with you. Christian McCaffrey all over the field for the 49ers. So you can talk about Brock Purdy's numbers, but half of that is because of Christian McCaffrey coming to the, out of the backfield. Absolutely amazing player. I remember him on the Panthers when we drafted him. I was super excited about him, but, you know, we just had to trade him and tank even more than we already have. But besides that, 825 yards, nine touchdowns. And I don't even want to know his receiving numbers because they're probably pretty dang good. But, yeah, Christian, give me Christian McCaffrey at the four spot. Number three, I got to go with the cheetah, Tyreek Hill on the Dolphins, also carrying that Dolphins team. You know, you got that Dolphins team is absolutely insane. I put Tyreek Hill at three because I got two people that uh, are on better teams. You know, that's usually what happens with NFL MVP. It's a QB award on the QBs on good teams that play in tough environments, play for the Super Bowl. But give me Tyreek Hill at three. Absolutely amazing. And he's on my fantasy team. So, got to do that. Number two, I have someone that Max did not say. I got Jalen Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, you can't look at how good the Eagles are and tell me that Jalen Hurts doesn't have something to do with that. And that's what the NFL MVP odds are going to look at. 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. 66.5 QBR, and 2,347 passing yards. I've always been a fan of Jalen Hurts, you know, since the whole Tua thing at Alabama, coming into the league under Carson Wentz, but he finally got his chance, and he's proven why he was a pick and why the Eagles are at 8-1 and one right now looking to play Kansas City in Arrowhead. And then number one, I have someone that Max did not say. I have the Taylor Swift phenomenon I have Bruh. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes again. I'm gonna die. The absolute greatest quarterback of this century. 2,442 yards, 17 touchdowns to only eight interceptions, 72.8 QBR. The first round pick in 2017 out of <coughs> excuse me Texas Tech. I mean, with the Chiefs as publicized as they are, 
as good as they are, he has to be in the top five, and he's looking to win it for, I think this would be the second or third time in his career. So give me Patrick Holmes at the one. Reese, give me your top five. Here we go. Uh, my top five. Is, I'm gonna go different. I'm gonna go different from y'all at five, but it's still gonna be on the defensive side. I'm gonna go Miles Garrett over T.J. Watt. Miles Garrett's just been doing amazing this year. Good Saw it today against the Steelers. He he did great. So did T.J. But I'm gonna have to go Miles over T.J. And then on the three and four, I'm both. I'm gonna have to go with both of y'all with CMC and the Cheetah. Um, it was kind of hard to pick between CMC and the Cheetah. You know, Bro's just copying our list. Shit. Buddy, I knew he was going to say that. Knew he was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> didn't copy his list. Uh, definitely didn't. Uh, and then my number two, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson, the guy that Max picked at one. I'm going to have to go with, with Lamar. Um, you know, Good he's, pick. Uh, Good pick. he's the guy that's played exceptionally well this year. You know, doesn't looks like he doesn't um, – the only receiver he's going to have around him now, only two receivers is just Odell and Zay Flowers now with uh, Mark Andrews being out at tight end spot. So – We'll see how he works with that. And then my number one is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is my number one. Where's Patty? Where's Patty? Patty is not that good this year. He's good, but he's not that good this year. He has the best stats of any quarterback. He does. Eight interceptions. Eight. Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball. Lamar literally has the seventh most in the league. He has more. (laughs) What? 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 All right. Now, let's get enough of today's let's NFL. Let's get Rizzy in here. Let, let's, <laughs> let's hear Reese's top 10 NFL players of all time with Travis Kelsey at the three. He's going to say Nikola Jokic, I swear. Bruh. <laughs> all right. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started. Bro's going to leave the call again. <laughs> Reese, you still there? Yes. Just making sure. <laughs> I had to make sure. But anyways, let's go ahead and get started with enough of today's NFL. Let's go ahead and get started with the best NFL players of all time, the top 10. I'm so excited to hear Reese's. I'm going to say mine, but the moment we've all been waiting for is to hear Reese's top 10. But sure. let me get through mine first. I'm going to go ahead and start. It's obvious, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the best NFL player it's of all time. It's not that obvious. You, you look at, okay, you can say Jerry Rice because Jerry Rice is my two. It's between them two. They're the oh, top I two have players someone else. of all time. Okay, well, that flabbergasted me. I'm excited to – you should keep listening to hear what Taylor's going to say as his number one. But uh, Tom Brady, I mean, you just look at all the rings. I mean, Tommy Dion. The best, the best QB of all time, the best player of all time, and playing 22 years in the NFL is also just a feat that won't be matched anytime soon. Um, so give me Tom Brady at number one. Number two, I got Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, Ooh. I mean, he belongs on the Mount Rushmore – basically any NFL all-time great players list. I mean, he is a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Niners, and he also had his eighth career uh, Super Bowl touchdown with the Raiders at age 40. Not a lot of people know that, but Rice is, I mean, Rice is just one of the best players of all time, and he's also, he was insanely, he was known, he's similar to Michael Jordan, as in he was known for his hard work ethic. I mean, Rice there was never a time when you were watching Jerry Rice play, according to my dad, because I actually didn't watch him. But uh, you, there was never a time you saw Jerry Rice play, and he wouldn't run his route at full speed. I mean, 22,895 receiving yards is over 5,000 yards more than the second closest wideout, which is Larry Fitzgerald. So give me Jerry Rice, 19-year career, one of the greats. And next, I have uh, Peyton Manning 
actually. I have Peyton Manning at number five. Um, you know, if Brady didn't exist, Peyton Manning would be the best QB, best player of all time. I mean, you look at the Super Bowl he won with the Broncos, and then he also has five league MVPs. I mean, you know, and he's also won Super Bowls. He was actually, he's the first ever starting quarterback to win Super Bowls with two different teams. So, I mean, I got Peyton Manning at number three. And then number four, I got Walter Sweetness Peyton. Walter Peyton, I mean, he was so good that he honestly is the greatest (laughs) running back in NFL history. Hey, y'all can say bruh. But, I no, mean, I was talking I about Taylor saying, bro. Taylor's like, bro. I understand Walter Payton was played by injuries and he only had a 12-year career. But in that 12-year span, I mean, he had 2,000, over 2,000 all-purpose yards in one year and helped lead the Bears single-handedly to a Super Bowl uh, championship. You know, and so I got Walter Payton at uh, number four. And then number five, I got LT Lawrence Taylor, the scariest guy that you could ever face. And I know, I know, (laughs) I know the former QB for, I forget his name off the top of my head, Joe Theismann for Washington Redskins would agree with me. He's the one of the scariest guys on the other side of the field to play against. I mean, he was so dominant. And I mean, watching that beginning to the blind side, you know, just really inspired me. And, you know, I was like, that guy is a beast. And Lawrence Taylor, I mean, you know, NFL Defensive Player of the Year honors, Defensive Rookie of the Year honors. I mean, I could go on and on. But Taylor's ferocious pass rush really revolutionized the game and really inspired players like T.J. Watt and Micah Parsons of today's. Look at their interviews. They'll talk about them all the time. And next, I got number six. I got Jim Brown, the old, the former uh, Cleveland Browns running back back in 1957. He's up there with the greats like, you know, Bill Russell, Babe Ruth, you know, those players that are like you hear in legend, you know, basically because they played so long ago. But he was one of the best. He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, a Hall of Famer. Excuse me. Hall of Famer. Max highlights. Clip it. Brown, Brown led the NFL in rushing yards eight times. And he also carried the Browns to their last league title in 1964. The Browns haven't been anywhere close to being the best in the league since. I mean, his career yards per game average was 104.3, which remains the highest total of any player in NFL history. Jim Brown at six. Number seven, I have a guy that I actually met uh, back when I went to St. Lucia uh, in the Caribbean for spring break one year. I met him in a Billabong store. Uh, Joe Montana. The QB for the 49ers. Sword's crazy. I mean, before before Tom Brady uh, came along, before Tom Brady came along, Cool Joe Montana was the top quarterback. He was the man. The first three-time Super Bowl MVP uh, ever in history. Um, He led the 49ers to four Super Bowl wins in just the 80s. So four out of ten years. I mean, the 49ers were on top of the league. Montana was brilliant, and he was known for being brilliant in big games. In all four of those Super Bowls, he had zero, I repeat, zero interceptions. One of the most clutch players ever. Really fun to watch. Joe Montana at number seven. Number eight, I got Barry Sanders. I mean, one of the most exciting players to watch on the field. Also, only played nine years, but... I mean, Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders, uh, you know, one of the best players of all time. Detroit Lions fans, bro. Detroit Lions fans. I mean, everybody knows who he is. I mean, if you're a Detroit fan, Barry Sanders was one of the best players to play in the league. He was a wizard with the football. I mean, and if you watch his highlights, I mean, he is basically he's one of those 
first guys that's like you watch his highlights and you're like, wow, what am I watching? Struggling to breathe? Bro, I'm trying to make it through. Anyway, uh, he has 15,259 career rushing yards in 10 seasons. (laughs) That's phenomenal. What is he he laughing about? I can hear him like – like breathing back there, like I have no yeah, I'm laughing at my number one because I got the best number one ever. It's gonna okay. be Joe Montana. It's gonna be Bo Jackson, probably. I know but it is. Number six. Uh, at number nine, I got the freak himself, Randy Moss. I mean, you got yeah. Moss. He inspired an entire, uh, you know, catchphrase and catches. He burst onto the scene in his rookie campaign by catching 17 touchdowns in his first season in the regular season it back when it was 16 games in the regular season so Randy Moss I mean very impressive then he went to the Patriots and I mean he was part of that almost undefeated uh completely perfect season for the Patriots until David Tyree helmet catch we all know what happened but Randy Moss you got Moss give me Randy Moss at number nine and then number 10 I got Emmett Smith the running back for the Cowboys the number one uh, and in rushing yards, the rushing yards leader of all time, eighteen thousand three hundred fifty-five career rushing yards and one hundred sixty-four career rushing touchdowns. I mean, he was insane. You look up Emmett Smith uh, highlights and look up his stats. I mean, he had a one thousand yard season basically every year. I mean, he was one of the most consistent running backs, and he wasn't. He didn't get injured as much. Obviously, he played 14 seasons, played for the Cowboys, as well as played for the Cardinals later on in his career. Give me Emmett Smith at number 10. And now, Taylor, take it away with your top 10. All right. So, I disagree with you at number one. At my number one, I have 2015 Cam Newton. I mean, just absolutely. That's worse than mine! What? (laughs) Carrying the Panthers to a 15-1 season. He had, excuse me, 3,837 yards for 35 touchdowns. And I'm going to break my mantra. I swear. Cam Newton in 2015, one of the greatest, no, I would say no, no, the no, greatest no. player we have ever Taylor. seen. Number Taylor. two, give me Tom Brady. You know, the six it's rings. best players of all time. Cam New- You're saying Cam Newton's number one of all time? 2015, Cam Newton is number one of all time. We're not saying specific years, though, buddy. We're saying career. <laughs> okay, Cam Newton, number one all time. I don't care. Number two. What? Tom what? Number two, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, very good player. I don't like Sam Tom Brady. Donald, number two. Uh, number three. Jer- number. Th- Let me finish my top ten. Number, know, three, number three is Jerry Rice, uh, greatest receiver of all time. And then number three, Peyton Manning, just like Max. We had our <laughs> – instead of one, two, and three, minus two, three, four, I got – Brady, Rice, Manning, great players on the Mount Rushmore, along with Cam Newton. <laughs> Bro, he can't Number be four, I got Lawrence Taylor, absolute nightmare coming off the edge. He can play a little zone coverage, too. He can play in coverage. He can rush you. One of the greatest players of all time. Number five, I got Sweetness, Walter Payton, just like Max said. Bro. Great running back. Best running back of all time over Jim Brown, I would argue. You know, short career, yeah. uh, got cut short with injuries and everything. But Walter Payton, dominant player. And then number six, I have Antonio Brown. Antonio Bro, Brown. What? No way! Domestic violence! What's going on? You know, he was absolutely great when he was on the Steelers. One what of the greatest, re- I would say the greatest receiver of this generation. His top season, he had 1,698 yards for 13 touchdowns. Absolutely insane numbers. He even rushed he the ball a little bit. Number seven, Antonio Brown. Number eight, I have someone that Max didn't say. I got Ray Lewis, 
the middle linebacker okay, nightmare that would come up and absolutely hit stick you into the ground, give you a concussion, and yes, Ray Lewis, great player, great hype man. I remember his intro in and, Madden 13. Antonio Brown would run through a wall. Hey, number nine, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. What a great player. No, Patrick Mahomes, you what cannot tell me that. You, if, if you were a team while Patrick Mahomes was in the league, you could not tell me you wouldn't for him to be on your team at quarterback. Absolute amazing, dominant player out of Taylor Texas. Taylor was smoking on that Tech. plane. I mean, look at his numbers every single year. Absolutely insane. His best year last year. 5,250 yards for 41 touchdowns. In 2018, he had a 50-touchdown season. You know, he beat Brady in head-to-head sometimes, and he lost one time. But Patrick Mahomes, gimme at number 9. And the number 10, I got Megatron, Calvin Johnson. I would argue that Calvin Johnson in his short career was better than Randy Moss. Calvin Johnson, I mean, he, he you cannot deny his dominance for the Detroit Lions carried that Detroit Lions team to any hope at any playoff game. His best season, 1,964 yards for five touchdowns, but, you know, he got a lot of yards. Wasn't really a touchdown threat, but his best touchdown season is 16. I mean, he he single-handedly carried the Detroit Lions through the depressing days to a playoff spot where they lost to the Cowboys. That's my top ten. I'm going to go over it again. Cam Newton, Tom Brady, Jerry Rice. Peyton Manning, Lawrence Taylor, Walter Payton, Antonio Brown, Ray Lewis, Patrick Mahomes, and Calvin Johnson. Reese, give us your top ten. I'm you sorry, but this my, my NBA one last week might have been bad. Nicole Jokic, shout out. Uh, you know, but this one might just top that. Like, this one might just his, – his might have been the worst one. Yeah, anyway, that was kind of wild. Let's get to mine. Okay, my number one has to be Tom Brady. Yes. Can't be freaking prime Cam Newton. Like, <laughs> one year, buddy. He chose one, one year. year. <laughs> one year Cam um, number two, I'm going to go with Peyton You Manning. cannot tell me that 2015 Cam Newton is not That's better not than That's not what I'm Tom saying. Brady. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm saying, that. I'm saying, you're saying that Cam Newton is the best player of all time. Yes, he is. I'm He's gonna, not. I'm going to break my monitor, I swear. What a bus. Anyway, my number two is Peyton Manning. Cool. Number th- number Wait, three. Wait, what? Jerry. Over Jerry? Yes. Okay, buddy. No, it's because like like you said, Peyton Manning's won five MB- MVPs, and also you kind of got to put a quarterback over a receiver for real. Like, not really, but okay, keep going, keep cooking. Jerry's three, and then I'm gonna go with Walter Payton at four. Um, okay. I'm gonna go with Barry at five. I'm gonna go with Barry Sanders at five. Over LT. Yes. Okay, buddy. And then I'm gonna go with Lawrence Taylor at six. And then Jim Brown at seven. I think Taylor left. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Randy Moss at eight. I'm going to go with Joe Montana at nine. And then Ray Lewis at ten. All right, Buddy, well. No explanation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's not a bad – that's not a bad top ten. Actually, congratulations, Reese. You made up You made up for last week. So Yeah, but, Taylor, Taylor's um, the new trash can for this week. So. <laughs> yeah, Taylor had me thinking it was Taylor's hottest take right there. But anyway – we're going to move to our top 10 college basketball teams right now. I know we know it's early on in the season. We kind of should have we kind of forgot to do this before the season, but it's all right. We're doing it now. Um kind of switching up from football over to the basketball scene and I'm going to get start us off with um I actually said that we're going to 
we I forgot to do the ten to one thing last time. I'm gonna do that again here, actually. And I'm gonna start off with my number ten team in college basketball right now, the Texas A and M Aggies. Texas Brother! A real good team. <laughs> they are Whoa! <laughs> Hey Taylor, you admittedly don't as much as me, to be what fair. So Brother, I mean, Wade Taylor the fourth. I witnessed it firsthand last year when I went to go see Auburn play, and Wade almost Taylor lost the to SMU. Dominated. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Wade Taylor uh, and the right. Texas A&M Aggies. They returned basically all of their starters: Tyrese Rashford, Wade Taylor, Henry Coleman, and um. And I'm gonna, I'm great. gonna break my monitor. I swear. <laughs> but um, this Texas A&M Aggies team's really good. They beat Ohio State. That's all I'm gonna say. And uh, next, I'm gonna go at number nine. I'm gonna go with the Miami Hurricanes. This oh, is so good. Five, five and oh, five and oh. Nigel Pack is a star. Well put South Alabama <laughs> up there. Miami is five and oh. They what is beat, the they beat They beat in Kansas State and Georgia. I mean. Nigel Pack, Wuga Poplar, and Matthew Cleveland. Matthew Cleveland, that transfer Who is that? Uh, <laughs> or Chad Omier. I mean, Who is that? Also, this team also returns. Who is Wuga Badogo Poplar? <laughs> so, get, give me my <laughs> Number eight, I got Houston. Number eight, I got Houston. Woo! Houston, 5-0. and oh. um, They're actually playing Dayton right now, and they're beating the crap out of them. I Save yourself be there, they, actually, they just won 69-55. Save yourself there, son. <laughs> Houston is 6-0 right now, so give me the Cougars. LJ Cryer, the transfer from Baylor, averaging 15.4 <laughs> points this year. Give me, <laughs> give me Houston. Number seven, number seven, I got the Purdue Boilermakers. No uh, freaking way. Where are they in the top that, five? That high? That this, high? This Purdue team, I just haven't seen it yet. I haven't been proven it yet. I mean, they haven't played anybody really that good. Yeah, they played Xavier and beat them by 12, but Xavier isn't that great this year. They don't return any of their starters. This Purdue team returns a lot of their starters. Zach Eady, obviously the main one. The Naismith player of the year last year. I mean, he's seven foot, like a thousand. Um, he's 20. Not he a real. Has, that's he's not averaging 20.7 points per game, 10 rebounds. He's just a real 3.7 blocks. So give me Purdue at number seven. Number six, I got the Creighton Blue Jays. No! Creighton no! is so good right now. You didn't do that. You didn't do that. My the brother, Iowa. The University the Iowa, of Omaha. The eight, eight people. Give me Creighton. I mean, Trey Alexander, we've seen him develop through the years. I mean, Where's he, FAU? Mark Where's FAU? FAU lost to Bryant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, what are you cooking, bro? Might as, well, <laughs> might as well put FAU up there, Max. Trey, Trey Alexander leads uh, Creighton in basically every stat. And then they also return Baylor Shireman and Ryan Kalkbrenner. I mean, as well as Steven Ashworth, the transfer from Utah State. This Creighton Blue Jays team is really good. And I look forward to seeing them play in Big East play. Give me Creighton at number six. And now number five, I got the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee with big win over Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And they also play Syracuse in the coming days. So Tennessee. give me give me Tennessee at number five. Dalton Next, the transfer from Northern Colorado. I mean, really good. This is actually isn't a team that they don't return a lot of players. Santiago Vescovi, I mean, they do return him, but he hasn't been playing well early on. He will like to get going in the coming weeks. But give me uh, Tennessee at number five. And then number four, I got UConn. UConn, the reigning uh, national champions. They look like they haven't missed a beat. I mean, they beat Indiana today by 20, a game that a lot of people thought 
might be close as Indiana was undefeated going into the game. Give me I, UConn. I, don't, I don't think anybody thought that, but okay. Okay, buddy. Well, anyways, <laughs> UConn at number five. Oh, I think Louisville four. versus uh, FAU will be good. Uh, I'm going to go. Donovan Klingon, their center, is really good. So give me UConn at number four. Number three, I got the team that Reese referenced earlier, Marquette. Marquette is so good this year. I mean, they beat a... Well, I picked Percy Julian. They beat a top 25 uh, Illinois team earlier this week, like Reese said. Cam Jones, Tyler Kolick. Tyler Kolick might be one of my favorite guards in all the college basketball this year. Looks to be possibly a first-round pick next year. I mean, one of the assist leaders in all the college basketball, as well as steals. I mean, he kind of reminds you almost like a white Chris Paul, basically. That's what I compare him to. And then, number two... Number two, I got Arizona, the Wildcats, who upset Duke. I mean, Caleb Love, although he hasn't even performed great, he gives the energy for the Wildcats. And, I mean, against Duke, well, yeah, he posted on his Instagram, oh, sorry, Duke, even though he scored only 12 points. But give me Caleb Love in this Arizona Wildcats team. Kashad Johnson, the transfer from San Diego State's team last year that made it to the national championship. I mean, their team – Really good. Umar Umar Balo, I think is his name. Their, uh, their center, he's huge. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of a DeAndre Ayton in college. So give me Arizona at number two. And then number one, obviously number one, the Kansas Jayhawks. Nope, nope, be a nope. very good Kentucky team. Bye bye. Hunter Dickinson is the truth. 27 points um, I think against Kentucky. <laughs> They return Kevin McCuller, um, KJ Adams, DeWan Harris, who's one of my favorite point guards in the league right now in the in the in college basketball. Uh 7.3 assists per game. So give me the Kansas Jayhawks. And now I'm looking forward to hear y'all's top ten. You didn't get Rizzy in that one, buddy. All right. Okay, buddy. Uh Max Nicole Jokic at number ten. All right, listen. So, Max left out some key teams out of that. I will say. All right. Here, Kentucky in the top ten. Even though number ten, <laughs> number ten, Creighton, the okay. Creighton Blue Jays. Okay, they're a great team. You know they have one player that does everything for them, but they're a good team and will go very far. Number nine, I have a team that I don't know how. I, I don't. I really don't know how Max didn't say this team. Are you gonna say Gonzaga? The, no, I have the Duke Blue Devils. Bro, they lost. They lost <laughs> one game by five points. Kyle Filipowski, absolute demon at everything, blocks, steals, points, rebounds, and then Mark Mitchell, Jeremy Roach, Caleb Foster. I mean, I could go on and on about this team. Five-star after five-star recruit. The Duke Blue Devils are going to come back, and they're going to absolutely dominate. Number eight. I'm going to break my monitor. They're going to lose to Miami. Number eight. I have the Baylor Bears. The Baylor Bears. Are a very, very deep team. They beat a very good Auburn team, came back from behind to beat that that. Auburn team. And this Baylor Bears team is looking for revenge after a few years ago when they were number one for super long, and then they absolutely choked. Guys, this Baylor team is very good. Jacoby Walter is an absolute demon, averaging 18 points a game. Number eight, Baylor Bears. Number seven, I got Marquette. I have Marquette a little bit lower than Max had them just because I haven't seen them play a very good team yet. They played Illinois, Illinois. but that's not a very good team. Let's be honest. Illinois is not that good. Cam Jones, 19.3 points a game. This team 
you know, has a big, is very deep, has a very big rotation, just like Auburn, and they will go very far. Number 10, 9, 8, 6. I have the Tennessee Volunteers. This Tennessee yep. team is also, I, I agree with you there, Max. I don't know why I made that noise. I thought you said, like, Tennessee Tech or something. But Tennessee Volunteers, led by Dalton Necht, 19.7 points a game, and Jonas Adu with 7.3 rebounds. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a, I'm a college basketball casual. I can't lie. Yeah. Number five, I have the Houston Cougars. You had Houston a little bit low in your ranking. I think Houston deserves to be above the Volunteers of Tennessee. Houston, I watched. The, I actually watched them play against Utah, and I was just very impressed with the speed that this Houston team played with. They beat Dayton today by four, or excuse me, fourteen. L.J. Cryer, I remember watching him, hearing his name a lot, and Jamal Shedd, absolute insane for the Cougars. And then number four, I'm going to try to get through these four pretty quick. I got Purdue, led by Zach Eddy, the absolute demigod, Yao Ming-esque, absolute unit for the Boilermakers. You know, the Boilermakers, never very good at football, but, I mean, they can they can be a little bit good at basketball. I remember this team where they played um, Duke a few years ago, and that game ended up being very close, and they actually upset Duke. Zach Eddy, 20.7 points a game, 10 rebounds a game. Braden Smith also with 11 points a game and 8 assists. Just feed it Zach Eddy. Zach Eddy also with 4 blocks a game. So he's going to win Naismith Player of the Year. Number 3, I got the reigning champs in UConn. UConn, great team. Uh, I remember last year when they played, uh, they actually played Auburn earlier in the year. Um, in the I think it was the Maui Invitational, I'm not sure. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I remember the, yeah, the pace yeah. that they played with and the 3-point shooting that they had. I mean, they have five players over 14 points per game, and they're led by Alex Caravan with 17 points a game. Very experienced team. Kept a lot of starters from last year from the national championship team. But number two, this is where we disagree here, Max. I got Kansas at number two. I got the Kansas Jayhawks at number two, led by the Michigan transfer, Hunter Dickinson. Absolutely insane for the Jayhawks. I remember watching him against Kentucky. I actually picked Kentucky in that game. And he just absolutely dominated a great Kentucky team. 22 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, 1.7 steals per game. And then also, I mean, you got Kevin McCuller Jr. with 16 points a game. So very deep team for the Jayhawks. Lots of talent up there. And then at number one, I got to be a little, not a little bit biased, but I love this player when he was at North Carolina. I got to go with the Arizona Wildcats. Absolutely (laughs) impressing going into Duke's home court and beating the Blue Devils, which is never done, led by Kashed Johnson with 14 points per game. I mean, they have six people that average over 11 points a game. You know, Caleb Love, not the absolute superstar there. Just a very deep team, very well balanced, and they're very well coached. And I just think this Arizona team is very, very good. All right, good top 10. Reese, everybody's waiting for it. I pick at number ten. I pick Baylor. Um, yeah, Baylor, Baylor. They've they've been good this year. You know, especially coming back against Auburn late in the late in that game, last three minutes of that game. And then number nine, Max. I don't know how you didn't see this one, Duke. Bro, like, 
They lost. Yeah, how did you not put Duke in your top ten? It didn't well, matter if they lost. They, they still, they, 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 still they lost. The, um, my number two team, the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, they're not good. <laughs> hey, watch. Just wait. Just wait. Miami. Wait till they play Miami. My number. My number eight is Creighton. <laughs> Buddy's just looking at the eight people. I know. <laughs> that's that's not the eight people, buddy. But okay. Um, what? My number seven is Tennessee. <laughs> buddy's that's looking at the that. eight people. <laughs> I'm looking at the eight people right now. My number six is Houston. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not the eight people. Baylor's not ten. Yes, it is. Baylor's it literally is. No, Baylor isn't. Baylor There's is no fifteen. Way. But... There's no way. There's no way. Bro, what is, what is going on? Okay, number five, Marquette. I know they're number five in the eight people, but they're I don't number care. four. Okay, never mind, bro. Number four, UConn. I'm gonna go with UConn at four. <laughs> um, number three, I pick Purdue. Um, and then number two, <laughs> number two is uh, Arizona. I gotta go with Zona uh, at two. You know, Arizona's just uh. They kind of surprised me, you know, beating Duke at Duke. It surprised a lot of people. Uh, not a lot of people can do that, go to Duke and beat them. But, you know, Arizona, Caleb Love, uh, shout out to him on Instagram. Scored 12 points. Still wants to talk trash, but, you know, that's a whole different story for a different day. Um, and then number one, got to be Kansas. Got to be Kansas after what they did. To, yep. Uh, yep. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going pick... to change the graphic. I think I'm going to take FAU at one. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're going to move on to Taylor's Hottest Take. Yay! The temperature is rising. That can only mean one thing. It's time for Taylor's Hottest Take. Let's go. Okay, we're back with Taylor's Hottest Take. Last week, you know, we forgot. We completely forgot <laughs> to do it. We Completely skipped over it. I realized after the show, and I didn't want to wake back up to do it. But last week, something happened in the SEC. In SEC football, it was the dumbest decision of all time. Brian let, me just, let me just tell y'all the topic summary of what we're talking about. Right, Deion Sanders, Neon Deion Primetime, uh, will be the next coach of wait, the what? Texas A&M Aggies. I'm sure Wait, what? all of y'all have heard about the news by now about big old Jimbo oh. fired and one of the worst decisions made by a franchise after a win against Mississippi State. But that's for a different day. We could talk about that all we want a different day. But when coaches get fired, you know, it's a huge speculation, speculation on what they're going to do in the future. And I'm here to tell y'all to make this money up that they owe Jimbo and to be relevant again, the AD of the Aggies, will go out and hire Coach Prime. Think about it. You get all of these amazing recruits that Texas A&M has at the number six, I think it's the number three or four class. And, excuse me, I lost my place. And so be it. You know, the recruits are disappointed about the firing. But if you bring in Prime, you likely keep those recruits. You get the top ten class from the Aggies, and then the 63rd best class adding from the Buffaloes. It'll be unstoppable for years to come. And the cash that they'll make hiring Prime with all the publicity and all the swag that Coach Prime makes, it's almost a no-brainer. I know this is pretty hot, you know, because of the debate of Prime coming to the SEC and everything with the Auburn rumors that happened, if Auburn was going to hire him. But believe me, I haven't been wrong with my hot take so far this year. And 
Tell me mm-hmm. another coach that is a candidate. You know, they were speculating Dan Lanning, the Washington coach. They both said, no, nah, we're here to stay because we're going to the Big Ten. But I know a lot of the Pac-12 coaches, you know, are the favorites, the smaller coaches of the smaller teams. But to make this money, the $70 million that they owe Jimbo, they need to bring in Coach Prime, and they're going to give that blank national championship certificate that they gave Jimbo when he got hired. They're going to give it to Coach Prime and let him sign it in a few years when they win the shit. I'm a huge believer in Coach Prime coming to the SEC. What are y'all's opinions on this? Max, I know you're foaming at the mouth right now. So the, No, so the reason I said, wait, what, is because I thought you were saying that, like, actually happened. So <laughs> I was, like, I was I was confused. But um, I honestly, do I think it'll happen? No. But if Texas A&M were to, I also don't think it would be a great, great hire. Here's why. The only thing that Dion brought to Colorado that it didn't have is publicity. And he brought players. Yes, he brought players. But he didn't bring good coaching. I have realized that throughout the season, and I've said it here on this podcast, is that Dion Sanders isn't a great coach. He is a uh, highly publicized hype Rod. man. That's all he is. He's a highly publicized hype man. So, I mean, if Texas A&M were to bring him in, here's exactly what would go down. They'd bring him in, you know, all the publicity. Whoa, Coach Prime, you know, get interviews, all that stuff. They'd get some gr- recruits, obviously. You know, get a couple recruits. Cam Coleman would probably stay, you know, uh, committed to Texas A&M. Um, they'd have a lot of great players. But you know what? You know what Texas A&M has had the last couple of years? Great players. They've had the, they've had the number one recruiting class the last couple of years, and mainly because of NIL, all the NIL money they have, and they've done nothing with it. And you know why? Because of bad coaching. That's that's it. Plain and simple. Bad coaching. So I mean, oh, you're gonna really? bring a guy that's basically just a more pimped well, out. I uh, think you're bringing a guy that's <laughs> just a more pimped out uh, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, that's all you're doing. I really. I mean, you're getting nothing new. You're gonna get the same players that you got. You know, you're gonna get the Walter Nolans and you know all the the Evan Stewarts, all the five star recruits, the biggest names out of high school. You're gonna still get those. You'll get some re- re- transfer portal additions, and yeah, nothing's gonna change. He'll be out of there in five years. You know, if he comes, if that. But will I think it'll happen? I think there's more likely of a chance that it will happen than it actually working if it happens. So you see what I'm saying? So I think. Yeah, there's definitely a possibility because they've shown with Jimbo Fisher, they like those high money hires that can just bring them, you know, great, uh, great recruits and great transfers and stuff. Do I think it would work for them? Hell no. I think they should bring in. If I had to pick somebody, they should bring in. They should bring in Mike Elko, they do the Duke head coach that was their defensive coordinator before he went to Duke. Bro, why would they so, bring in the Duke head coach after the start that Duke got off to and what they're doing now? Well, Duke got off to a good start, and then Riley Leonard, their star QB, got hurt. So, and they had a good, decent year last year. So, all I'm gonna say is him, he would be good. Jeff Trailer, an in-state hire from UTSA, would be good. I mean, those are all actual good coaches. Deion Sanders is just a hype man. So that's all I'm trying to say. Reese, what do you think about it? Uh, I I kind of agree with you. You know, Deion Deion, ever since he got to Colorado, you know, really. They got those three uh, three wins to start the season, and ever since then, they really haven't been themselves, which they never should have been in the first place after, you know, what we saw in uh, spring with him losing all those recruits and everything. And I think the same thing would happen if he went to A&M. And uh, a lot of people are like uh, – also, they say, oh, yeah, 
Dion will get hired at Alabama. No, they won't. No, he won't because if Nick Saban ever decides to leave, they'll find someone that, better than Dion to coach coach Alabama. So if if he went to Texas A&M, which he won't, I I don't think um I don't think that uh that he would do too good there. Yeah, I mean, all I'm trying to say is that you can beat you can beat those small teams, the Colorado States, you know the TCUs and stuff like that, the teams that aren't having a great year with just great players. I mean, obviously, because you're going to have more athleticism than them, which Texas A&M has had, you know, these previous years, and that's why they've been able to beat the small teams. But you're not going to be able to win and win consistently when you don't have good coaching and a good, you know, regimen that the coach is leading and a good culture. And that's not what Dion brings. Dion's brought a bombastic, and you know, almost almost toxic culture to Colorado. I mean, you saw what Travis Hunter did on the sideline to that Washington State player. You saw the interview where he said, "Oh, I encourage fighting at practice." I mean, you know, Dion or Taylor. You'll say you you'll keep saying, you know, I'm a Dion fan. Which yes, I was. I truly was. I'll, I'll admit it. I believed what he was. I believed what he was saying. I believed his luggage was Louis. But he has not turned out to be who I thought he was. And yeah. So, I don't think it'd be a good hire. Could it happen? Yeah, possibly. But if you're a Texas A&M fan, that's not what you should want. Well, I feel like this take was pretty hot. It caused a little bit of argument, which, I mean, is what we always want to actually give y'all entertainment. But we're going to move to Reese hosting prize picks this week. Not sponsored by the app Prize Picks. It's time for Max's prize picks. Let's go, guys. We We got some good games. College football rivalry week. Last week of the regular season, uh, got two two exciting games to highlight for that. Got two NFL games, one college basketball game to highlight, and an NBA game. But let's get into it. You know, Go ahead and tell week, us our records, though. Last week, last week uh, you know, kind of surprise. I went 5-1, and one, and I'm 44 and 40. But he left all. the call and decided <laughs> to go 5-1. Yeah. yeah, buddy, yeah. Maybe I should just leave the call again and go 5-1. and one. Um, maybe six and zero. Oh. Uh, and then Max went four and two last week, and he now leads at forty seven and thirty seven. Yeah, Max, let's go, <laughs> bro. I thank sold you. Thank to you. give the hey. people content. Taylor's moving uh, the back again. Two, two and four. Two and four. <laughs> Taylor went two and four, and now he's um forty six. He's still and beating you, so he's still beating you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now let's get into it. The first game, I know Taylor. Taylor's gonna love this game. Um, Oregon and Oregon State, highly Bruh, anticipated matchup. <laughs> it's a good matchup. What do you want me to pick? The Iron Bowl because that's gonna be sixty-six to zero. All right, let's pick it. Let's pick it. Let's pick yes, it. This game. They already know who I'm gonna pick. Yeah, go <laughs> we're all gonna pick the last. same person. Reese, you pick first. Okay. Yeah, I'm picking. Who do you think's gonna win? I'm picking Oregon, and the reason I picked this game is because it's a very highly ranked matchup. And, you know, Oregon State did lose to Washington last week. Shouldn't have. Should be a, should be a 9-2 and two Oregon State team versus a 10-1 and one Oregon team right now. But, you know, I'm going to take Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon here. You know, Oregon is a 14-and-a-half point favorite here. And, um, you know, I just don't see DJU getting it done against Oregon, and especially as at Oregon. Um, go away. I'm not saying I'm not saying his last name because I have to use Google Translate to do that. 
<laughs> Just like you did. But uh yeah, I'm gonna take Oregon. Max Max who are you taking? <laughs> Oregon next. It's Oregon. Oregon forty eight to All right. I wanna give some to reason to this game. Um, you know, the line opened up at eleven and a half and now it's fourteen and a half. Friday night prime time at seven thirty central, eight thirty Eastern. I mean, this Oregon fans, I, I recognized it firsthand while I was in Arizona. These Oregon fans are going to pack out Austin Stadium. They're going to cheer for the Ducks, and the Ducks are going to get a home win against their Civil War rival, the Beavers from Corvallis. Go Bo and go Ducks. Yeah, and then our next game is going to – yeah, you have to pick this game. You, you have to pick Michigan and Ohio State. It's like – Yeah, no, 100%. Can't go over this game. Uh, It's going to be a great game, especially with all this news with Jim Harbaugh, uh, all that stuff coming out about him. And, you know, Ohio State's on a roll as well, even though they've played barely anybody. Um, But anyway, let's get into it. I'm going to pick Michigan, but the line here, the line is Michigan minus four. So, you know, they're they're thinking it's going to be close, which it obviously is. It's a rivalry game. Michigan's won the last two matchups. I say they win this third one in Ann Arbor. <laughs> and then I say they win the Big Ten Championship, you know? What they're is Buddy talking about? Wait, you're going to pick Ohio State, aren't you? <laughs> All right, Max, Obviously, Max, what do you think? So this is going to be a great matchup, like Reese said. I mean, obviously the biggest matchup, I'd say, of the year so far. I mean, you know, this really is a game that specifically you know has implications with the college football playoff and the postseason you know and I honestly think if you know if the uh you know dices fall right and you know everything falls into place the correct way I mean both of these teams could possibly make it into the CFP uh this is a close game as some people expect it to be but give me Ohio State on the road uh, give me Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson, and Kyle McCord. And also, this Michigan team, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but since Jim Harbaugh I'm has gonna, gotten suspended, I'm gonna they, haven't my looked, they haven't looked the same. Like, they they beat Maryland by seven last week. I mean, they didn't look great, and J.J. McCarthy just looks out of it. I'm not going to lie. Like, J.J. McCarthy, obviously they're going with a more run-based approach. You know, you see uh, they didn't even – throw the ball once against Penn State two weeks ago um, in the second half. So, But you look at the stats, I mean, Kyle McCord is outplaying J.J. McCarthy right now. I mean, Kyle McCord has 22 touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy has 18. Kyle McCord has 2,800 yards. J.J. McCarthy has 2,300, and they both have four interceptions. So give me Ohio State to win this one on the road in the big house. And honestly, I don't think it's going to be as close of a game as they think. I think Ohio State remembers that loss last year uh, whenever Michigan came to the shoe and absolutely whooped the Buckeyes. So give me Ohio State to win this one 34-23. I think it's kind of close going in the fourth quarter. You know, Ohio State maybe leads it by like three or it's tied, but then Ohio State pulls away at the end. Give me the Buckeyes on the road. This is must-watch football right here. Uh, I hate Michigan. I hate Jim Harbaugh. Go Buckeyes. Go Brutus. Kyle McCord is going to ball out. Marvin Harrison is going to ball out. This defense for Ohio State is better than the Michigan defense, only allowing 3, 3, 16, 10, and 12 in their past five games. Give me the Buckeyes winning this game by 17. Give me the final score being 38. Wait, 38 to 21. Sorry, I had to do math. 
<laughs> now we're going to get into our two NFL games that we have coming up. One is a Thanksgiving game. It's the 720 Thanksgiving game, divisional game between the Seahawks and 49ers. This should be a good one. Always is. Always love watching these two teams go against each other. And, you know, the line is uh, – I think the line's pretty close here for this game because, uh, you know, Seahawks uh, Seahawks did pretty good today, even though even though they lost to the Rams. I still think they did pretty good. Um, and, yeah, the line for this game is 49ers – Seven. 49ers are favored by seven. It's in Seattle, so could be a good game. But um I'm gonna go with the 49ers here. The defense just, you know, keep they're gonna keep it up like they always do. Christian McCaffrey, I say gets uh gets two or three touchdowns and uh 49ers end up uh winning on Thanksgiving night against the Seahawks. Yeah, so I mean this is a game where yes. I mean, on paper, it looks like, oh, it's, you know, it's a divisional game. It's in Lumen Field. You know, this is a game that should be a great watch and on Thanksgiving. And honestly, I'm going to watch it. I mean, 720 primetime NBC, I mean, you know, should be an exciting game. But you, you look at this Seahawks, I mean, what happened to them today? Geno Smith went down, might not play next week. Kenneth Walker went down, might not play next week. I mean, you know, this Seahawks team is facing a lot of injuries right now. I mean, you know, and I'm going to have to go with the 49ers, and I don't think it's going to be close. I mean, right now ESPN has them projected to win uh, by seven, and they're according to ESPN an- analytics, they're favored 72.1% chance to win this game. So give me the 49ers winning this one on the road. Give me them. I'm going to go similar to Taylor's Ohio State-Michigan get, Michigan pick. I'm going to go 34-17. to 17. Okay. 49ers next game. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Okay. Geno Smith is not it. Brock Purdy is it. Give me the 49ers. Good luck. Yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, now we're going to the last NFL game, the Jaguars and Texans. This should be – this is a better well, – I'm excited game. for this one. Yes, this one's a good, good game. Aw, <laughs> uh-huh. did bro just lag? <laughs> um, the line is one favoring Jacksonville here. It's at the Texans, and, you know – I'm gonna, I'm sorry, Jacksonville. I'm gonna have to go with the young, the young Texans team. Texas has showed us what they, what they're made of these past few games, and they're gonna continue rolling past y'all, and they're gonna roll into the division lead for the first time this season. I got Houston winning by a touchdown. There you go. Good pick. Good pick. I'm going with the Texans here to win in NRG uh, over Jacksonville on Saturday. I mean, you know, or excuse me, is it on Saturday or Sunday? It's is on it... Sunday. Okay, yeah. They only have they only have a game on uh, Friday. Thanksgiving. Okay, yeah. Black Thanksgiving Friday week's week. always always weird to me, but uh, give me the Texans at home. CJ Stroud is absolutely balling out today. He didn't really. I mean, he had three interceptions, but you look at his first half numbers. He had 256 yards in just the first half. I remember seeing a post. He had like more first first down, or excuse me, first half yards than any other team, you know, in the first half uh, earlier today. So give me CJ Stroud and the Texans and Devin Singletary, who for some reason I traded to uh, Taylor, you know, uh, who's really popped off recently. That wide receiver core with Tank Dell, Nico Collins, and No Brown, who didn't play today, but he should be returning next week. Um, so give me the Texans to win at home. I'm going to say 31 to 23. 
I'm going to have to disagree with both of y'all here. I love the way mm. this Jaguars team plays. Hard-nosed physical football led by Travis Etienne. Then, I mean, every now – they have a lot of motions, a lot of RPOs for Trevor Lawrence to make some decisions. And today, Tre- Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good against the Titans. That's all I'm going to say. This Jaguars team is on a roll after that blowout loss against the 49ers. Give me the Jaguars beating the Texans because C.J. Stroud is a fraud. Wow. Dang. Hey, he'll show you. He'll sh- we'll see. We'll see. Now, moving away from the NFL side, we're going to do one college basketball game this week. This should be a good one. It's the Maui Invitational. Not this year, sadly. It's going to be in Honolulu. They're moving it because of the wildfires that happened this summer. But um, it is Purdue versus Gonzaga. This is probably one of the best games in the Maui tournament. A lot of good teams in the Maui tournament. Um, always love Thanksgiving week as it's known in college basketball. It's called feast week for uh, college basketball on ESPN. Always love watching these games, uh, all the tournaments going on at this time of the year, but I'm going to get into it. I'm going to have to take the Boilermakers here. The Boilermakers are favored by four and a half, um, in Honolulu. Um, and you know, Gonzaga, Gonzaga does have a pretty decent team, but I just got to take Zach Eady's team. Zach Eady's an amazing player. Um, and I just see, I see Purdue winning this one by about 10. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Purdue in this one as well. I mean, the big difference is Purdue's a team that returned a lot of players, mainly their big man. And Gonzaga is a team that didn't return a lot of players and they didn't return their big man, Drew Timmy. So I'm going to go with Purdue to win this one in Honolulu to beat the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Give me them. I'm going to say, what did you say for your score prediction? Mine was just, uh, I said it was going to be 10. Uh, they were going to lose by 10 points. So Okay, so give me, give, me, give me Purdue. I think a lot of points are scored, actually. These are two two teams that can really, you know, put up some numbers. So I'm going to go Purdue winning this one, uh, 86 to 80. Mm, good, good prediction. I'm going to have to disagree with both of y'all here again. Mm. You know, I have a little bit of a soft spot for Gonzaga they have five different people scoring over 11 points. They have, excuse me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They have 10 people that play in a normal rotation led by Braden Huff with 21 points a game, only on 17 minutes. I mean, this Gonzaga team loves to play fast, loves to get out in space, and against this sluggish and slow Purdue team, the Gonzaga Bulldogs will pull up one of the biggest upsets of the college basketball season. Give me the Bulldogs, ninety to eighty-four. Mm, I, that was a good. That was a good pick there, actually. Um, that Gonzaga, um, Gonzaga. Yeah, this should be a close game in Honolulu. Can't wait to see this tournament fold uh, unfold. You know, a lot of good teams like Kansas, Marquette's in there, UCLA's in there. So should be a good tournament this year, like usual. Now we're gonna get to our last last game of prize picks. Uh, this is going to be an NBA game on Wednesday. This is the Celtics versus the Bucks. Should be a very good matchup. The line for this game, uh, there actually is no line for yeah, this game. Yeah, there's usually not lines for NBA games. It's weird. Yeah, it's that's kind of odd. I, I thought they when usually had game? some. What? When is this game? Wednesday. 6.30 p.m. tip 6, on ESPN. 6.30 Wednesday, or 6.30 Wednesday, yeah. I didn't ask but, what time and channel it was. I asked what day it was. 
Okay, buddy. Hey, buddy. Someone's a little mad. Yes. Uh, go to Someone's bed. Sleepy. Yep. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Celtics in this matchup. Max is getting Rizzy. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Celtics Don't in this Don't let me Rizzy you up. Okay, buddy. Uh, I'm going to go with the Celtics here. Um, I'm going to say Celtics win this one 110-99 to uh, at home and continue their hot, their hot start to this uh, NBA season. So I'm actually going to disagree with you here, Reese. I'm going to say the Bucks take this one on the road. Uh, the Celtics, yes, they are the best team, and they have looked like it this year. But I'm going to say that the Bucks go on the road and win this one. You know, I mean, Giannis and Dame, they're starting to heat up right now. I mean, early on yeah. in the season, they weren't, they weren't really gelling, which obviously, you know, me and Taylor talked about it last week a little bit. These kind of, uh, you know, super superstar duos or trios, they take time to uh, kind of gel, you know, and to actually work. And so the Bucks' record's kind of misleading. Those early games, I mean, they weren't really – you obviously, you watch the tape, and you can see that they weren't really as, you know, fluid as they are right now. But Giannis is still averaging 29.3 points per game and 9.9 rebounds per game. So give me the Bucks and the dynamic freak time duo in Dame Dalla and Giannis, the Greek freak, Andre DeCumpo. So give me the Bucks. I'm going to say they win this game. Um, I'm gonna say 117 to 111. Mm. I think Max is absolutely bonkers for that pick. The Bucks cannot play away games, but I will say the Bucks are coming off of a great win uh, yesterday against the Mavericks. Uh, but the Celtics team have beaten the Raptors, the 76ers, and the Knicks all in a row, and pretty by a pretty big margin too, except for that three point victory against the Raptors. The Celtics team is hot, led by none other than, of course, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, I, I think, is the front runner for. I know it's really early, really, really early, but I think he's the front runner for NBA MVP right now. Jalen Brown, Chris Porzingis, Drew Holiday, great role players all around. Peyton Pritchard, Oregon alum, love you, Peyton. Got to see you play in Oregon. But the Celtics team is gonna demolish the Bucks, one twenty to ninety. Well. That's going to do it for prize picks. Now, Taylor, you want to go ahead and end it off? Sure. <laughs> well, that's going to do, well, that's going to do it for the Tiger's Den episode 11. We love making these episodes for y'all weekly. And uh, just a reminder that Josh Dobbs is my front runner for MVP. And Cam Newton is the greatest NFL player of all time. So that's going to do it for Ain't no the way. Tiger's Den episode 11. Uh, come back next week for episode 12 as we'll dive more into basketball season as the football season, you know, coming to an end with rivalry week coming up. We'll recap those games. We'll recap Auburn getting blown out by Alabama. We'll recap the Oregon Ducks winning by absolute bunches. And we'll recap the Saints absolutely sucking. And we'll watch hey. Max get Rizzy. Uh. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, listeners. Love y'all. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Tiger's Den Podcast. New episodes dropping every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Central. Also be sure to check out our other podcast, Play Callers, where we interview a coach from Auburn High School football. Be sure to check out those episodes dropping every Tuesday at 3.30 p.m. Central on all platforms.